0: Welcome to 30 Brave Minutes, a podcast of the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. In 30 Brave Minutes, we'll give you something interesting to think about. Today's episode marks a change in our program. Host and longtime leader at UNCP, Dr. Jeff Frederick, has become the new Provost at Wingate University. Jeff, if you're listening, you're greatly missed around campus. I'm Richard Gay, the interim dean of the college. And joining me via Webex is Ashley Allen, the Interim Associate Dean. Ashley is no stranger to 30 Brave Minutes. She appeared on our very first episode in September 2016.
1: Hello, everyone. Our topic today is bringing our Braves back safely. We are starting classes on August 5th, and there have been a lot of changes on campus over the summer. UNCP has published some official guidance on what these changes look like in a roadmap on their website. Today we have with us Annie Angera, who is the Assistant Vice Chancellor of Facilities, and Scott Billingsley, a Professor of History and Interim Dean of Library Science, as well as the Associate Provost. I'm not sure you could have any more titles there, Scott. Uh, we appreciate both of you taking time to speak with us for a little bit today. Um, I think it'll be really helpful for everybody. So I'm going to start with you, Scott. Safety in the coronavirus pandemic is a shared responsibility. What are we expecting from students when they come to campus this fall?
2: Well, Ashley and Richard, I first want to thank you for having Annie and me on here. We're, we're delighted to be here. I think the key word and the question you just asked me is responsibility. Um, we are all responsible for each other. Uh, in this pandemic, it is a shared event that we're all experiencing together. And um, you know while the university has done quite a bit over the last several months to prepare for you know face-to-face classes uh, or as I like to call them mask to mask classes, uh, we also recognize that everyone has a responsibility to keep everybody else safe. And so when it comes to students, um, you know, we're really asking that you do some of the basic things that we've been talking about, uh, just nationally, really worldwide, for several months now. Wear a mask when you're indoors. Um, make sure you're practicing good social distancing. Uh, you know, give people some space. Um, you know, the the six foot rule is is kind of the standard that most of us are following most of the time. Uh, you know, wash your hands often. Practice good hygiene. And so a lot of this really is just kind of common sense uh, and, you know, the things that we have been doing day in and day out. And I think by this point, hopefully these things have become so integrated into our daily lives that we just do them naturally. And I've been walking around campus today. We've had move in this week. And I have noticed that most people are doing the things that we need to do to take care of each other.
0: Annie, I know that Facilities has been really busy getting the campus ready for everyone to return this
3: fall. So could you tell us a little bit about what you guys have been doing? I have to honestly tell you, it's been quite an interesting experience because you have to learn your job in a different way. So I've had to kind of jump into what hospitals do to try to keep things safe and sanitized. And so we have a list of things. I, I kind of separate them by the scenes and the unseen things, yeah. things you might see, things you will not see. First, it's important, you know, we, we right away when this hit, we, we uh, founded an initiative to have touch, a touchless initiative. And basically what we thought is, what are the things people touch on a daily basis that they don't have to that we can change? So what you're going to find when you come to campus is, you no longer flush your toilet, it flushes for you. You no longer turn on the sink, it sinks for you. We put these interesting um, uh, door grabs on the bathroom doors that you can grab the door with your foot and that way you don't have to touch the handle as you're leaving the door. So it's things like that, we, we put a lot more uh, light sensors, our ADA push devices. now. Those aren't in yet, but we ordered them, like everybody figured out, touchless fairly quick, so everything got on back order just as quick. So uh, you'll see that you won't be pushing a button here in a little while. You just put your hand in front of the sensor, and the doors will open. So th- those are kind of the the, the part of that touchless initiative. Part of the unseen is there's a national standards company called ASHRAE. It's the American Institute of of uh, heating and air conditioning. And in conjunction with COVID, they've responded with guidance of how we can protect you with the building environmental systems. So what you're not gonna see is that the buildings all have higher grade filters in them. You're not gonna see that some of our buildings, we are installing the bigger buildings, the higher traffic buildings, we're installing a technology called bipolar ionization. And what that does is as the air moves through the air handler, it charges the particles and they like to stick together. And when those particles stick together, they're not getting past that filter. So our goal here is to try to get you cleaner air. The other thing we've done is try to go out there and see what was happening in the industry for cutting edge sanitation, for cleaning. Uh, So the EPA makes it easy for us and they give us a list of of sanitizing agents that are approved. we uh, picked one that we felt was fairly uh, readily used in hospitals, and we are distributing that two ways. We are, you'll see people walking around the building wiping down handles and doing all those things. And then we, in the evenings, you're gonna see us doing uh, atomization spraying, which broadcasts that chemical more finely and more uh, evenly distributed over a space, so we should be able to get things a lot cleaner than what a normal cleaning would do. As for your classrooms, you're gonna walk in and think, wow, there's a lot of room in this classroom. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that. Uh, we have moved t- chairs out so we can get our six foot social distancing. Uh, one of the things you need to think about is the chairs were moved out, uh, not to prohibit people from sit- sitting in them as much, is to give you more room to, r- to move around in the room and maintain your social distance. Uh, The other thing you're going to find when you walk in your classroom, sitting close to the professor's desk, you're going to find a large tub of disinfectant wipes. Feel free to pull one out and wipe your desk down before you sit. We hope you guys use these. Uh, The other thing you're going to find is a, a large bottle of hand sanitizer. Now, we put these larger balls out because we expect that a lot of people are going to use them. But <laughs> I you have to know, the good. gallon bottles have a very big pump to them. So don't push them all the way down. You're going to get more than you need. Uh, just go like a quarter of the way and you'll have plenty of sanitizer in your hand. But those were basically the things you're going to find different. You should have gotten masks in your, in your packets. And uh, faculty and staff have masks. So... We should all be prepared and ready to mask up to take care of each other. That's awesome. I noticed some things with our water fountains, too. Could you talk about those? Oh, oh yeah, my God, the water here. fountains. So it's kind of uh, self, self-evident that water fountains are not the best places uh, to keep you clean from COVID. So you're going to see a red cap on the water fountain, and it's locked down. And that's only a measure we're putting in for COVID. However, the other thing that's happening to be able to help you gain access to water is we are making sure that in every building there's a bottle filling station. Bring your fillable bottles, fill up with water, but you can't drink it out of the fountain.
1: (laughs) No, that's great. You guys have been working so hard, um, moving furniture all around campus. I mean, I think even you guys have installed some new doors in places. Is that true? That's true, right?
3: What we put up a lot of it you're gonna see is a lot of plexiglass. We, yeah.
1: are,
3: we are a plexiglass friendly campus at this point. <laughs> that's and awesome. The point there is the more protection we can get uh, without impeding your experience in your classroom, uh, that's what we were trying to get at. You that's
1: know, really trying,
3: good. We're trying to make everybody be comfortable as
0: we're back on campus, that's for sure. So facilities have been working really hard, but I also know faculty have been putting in a lot of work, too, getting ready for the fall semester. So, Scott, could you tell us a bit about some of the work faculty have been doing behind the scenes?
2: Yeah, so aside from their normal preparations for classes, um, they have been working to basically teach in whatever format um, we may find that we need to teach in uh, this fall. Um, We we really kind of have to be prepared for everything. Um, The approach that we have taken, uh, the advice that we've been giving faculty uh, really since last spring is prepare for online, Um, because we know that we all know how to teach face to face uh, or mask to mask. Um, And so we kind of have that part of it down. Um, The online portion for some uh, may be more challenging because they don't have as much experience with it. And so nearly all of our faculty have spent really the whole summer, um, you know, since, since spring semester ended back in May, uh, preparing for this fall. Um, some specific things that we've been doing. So the Office of Online Learning and the Teaching and Learning Center, Office of Online Learning is directed by Dr. Miguel Nino or Miko. And uh, the Teaching and Learning Center is directed by Dr. Scott Hicks. Um, so Miko and Scott have been working with our faculty all summer long in a variety of uh, ways. Um, back in uh, the spring, when we first went online, they had a series of of just-in-time trainings. Uh, basically, it's the quick and dirty, here's how you convert your face-to-face class to online practically overnight. Um, and so it's not the ideal way to prepare, but it was something to just give faculty um, you know, a little bit of of uh, training and in, in what to do to to make that conversion. In the spring and summer, uh, Miko and Scott did two sessions of a certificate program. The certificate in online uh, teaching and excellence. Um, and we had nearly 100 faculty that uh, went through that program. Uh, it was a very rigorous program. The the first version of it lasted about 12 weeks. The second or six weeks. Then the second one. Uh, was a little bit shorter, it was an accelerated version, but it really gave faculty all the tools they need to to provide a really good online experience for the students. Um, There is a professional development webinar series. So Scott and Miko both do some some webinars on a regular basis. Um, The YouTube channel that they have uh, has a number of uh, recordings and webinars that they've done, training sessions that, uh, that they've done. Tomorrow they start a series of open house online uh, consultations. Um, So, you know, they're going to be available um, for these two-hour blocks over the next four or five days. If faculty are putting the final touches on their on their classes and they need a little bit of help. And they can just go and kind of call in and and get help from our instructional designers. So the faculty have been working really hard in preparing for all of this and preparing for whatever contingency we may find ourselves in.
0: Right. I know that's a real challenge for them. And I have a a friend who's participating in the the certificate program. And as I talk to them, they say, oh, I've got to go do my homework. I've got to be ready for my my class. So I know faculty are really taking it seriously, seriously. And they're being reminded of what it's like to be a student again, too.
2: Yeah. So they're treated just like a student. And (laughs) so part of the the structure of the certificate program is the faculty, the, the professor becomes the student again. And they are given assignments, and they have exams, and, you know, just, just like as if they were back in college or graduate school again. And for some of us who've been out of graduate school for a long time and out of college even longer than that, uh, that's a real shift. And so, but I think it's been really good. We've had a really good response, and, and Miko and Scott are doing it, and, and Miko's staff's doing a great job with this. That's
0: awesome. This is Chancellor Robin Cummings and I want to thank you for listening to 30 Brave Minutes. Our faculty and students provide expertise, energy, and passion driving our region forward. Our commitment to Southeastern North Carolina has never been stronger through our teaching, our research, and our community outreach. I want to encourage you to consider making a tax-deductible contribution to the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. With your help, we will continue our impact for generations to come. You can donate online at uncp.edu slash give. Thanks again for listening. Now back to more 30 Brave Minutes.
1: Well, we are still going to have plenty of classes on campus. I know that there have been some technology upgrades um, through our IT department. So uh, can one of you guys speak to what those might look like?
2: So, yeah, so our Division of Information Technology has done a great job this spring and summer in uh, providing the techno- technological resources that students and faculty need. Uh, they have been going through the classrooms, kind of following Annie's facilities staff uh, after they have, um, you know, rearranged all of the rooms and, and got them, you know, social distancing safe. The Do It staff will come in and upfit the rooms with the the technology that we need. So nearly all the classes, probably every classroom, uh, but at least nearly every classroom, will have a webcam uh, on the the computer monitor. Um, There will be microphones in many of the rooms. And these are to provide um, uh, virtual learning for folks who can't come into the classroom. There's a whole variety of reasons of why students may or may not be able to to attend in-person classes. And so every effort uh, to make that classroom instruction available, uh, regardless of where, where the student is. In the, uh, in the computer labs around campus, uh, we've had to disable some of the computers, taken away some of the keyboards, um, the, the keyboards that are left, you'll notice have covers on them. Uh, and all of this is to maintain good sanitation and to, uh, to make sure that we're maintaining good social distancing in the classrooms.
0: I understand those covers are going to be changed nightly, which is really an impressive feed itself there. so. uh,
2: Yeah, the housekeeping staff, the facility staff, and the information technology staff have all been working overtime and will continue to do so in order to to keep everybody safe.
0: Well, you mentioned earlier about how faculty were preparing for all types of contingencies. You know, will the class be face-to-face? Will it be hybrid? Will it be online? Um, that's necessitated a lot of changes to the schedule. So, could you talk a little bit about how uh, the schedule has been adjusted for the fall, and maybe uh, how many, what the, what are our percentages are about how many classes are are online or face to
2: face? this changes daily. In fact, I get a daily report um, on you know what percentage of classes are online, hybrid, or traditional in person classes. And right now, they're breaking down to be a. Split by about a third. Um, you know, this this changes somewhat from day to day. Our overall graduate and undergraduates uh, online course offerings are just under 40% right now. Um, the hybrid uh, offerings are right around 27%, and our traditional in-person classes are are right around 33%. Now that includes some of the grad programs that are completely online. Uh, one in particular, the the online MBA program is a rather large program, and so that kind of skews the numbers a little bit. So if you break it down to to undergraduate courses, um, it really is, it's about 36% online and about 36% um, traditional in-person and then about 27% hybrid.
1: So, I've already received some questions from students about what hybrid means, and I know we're using the words hybrid and alternative hybrid, so I didn't know if you wanted to just do take a minute to explain, in case some students are listening, as to what hybrid means and what alternative hybrid means.
2: Yeah, so the hybrid courses are a mix of traditional in-person instruction and online or virtual instruction. Uh, And so you have, uh, you know, there's terminology out here uh, in in the online world. Um, So you have synchronous learning and asynchronous. Synchronous means that everybody's doing it together all at the same time. And asynchronous means that it's more of a self-paced model. And so with hybrid, um, you know, there are uh, you may have a class where a certain portion of the class of the instruction is done in the classroom in an in-person setting with all of the students in there and then another portion of the class uh, is done online and so you know let's say for instance um, you have a class that meets monday wednesday friday and you may meet with your class on mondays and wednesdays and then fridays you have an additional assignment that you do uh, on your own or self-paced in the online format the alternative hybrid um is a little bit different, and it's mainly designed to accommodate the social distancing in the classrooms. because we can't have as many students uh, or as many people in a single room as we used to. Um, we've had to make some accommodation there. And so let's say, for instance, that you have a Tuesday Thursday class uh, and it's a class of uh, thirty people, but only seventeen of them can be in the classroom at the same time, because you know the the, the room will only hold that many and maintain safe social distancing. So the professor may set it up so that about half of the class uh, comes, 15 of the students come on Tuesday and receive instruction. And maybe the other 15, you know, WebEx in and they all get it together. It's just half of them are virtual and half of them are face-to-face. Or maybe those other students are doing some other uh, online assignment. And then the other 15 students will come and they'll meet Uh, with the professor on Thursday. Uh, And so you you still get, everybody gets the same amount of uh, uh, in-person instruction that all the other students get. It's just not everybody can be in the same room at the same time.
1: Right. And in this schedule, um, sometimes that is noted by it saying A, B schedule. So if students are seeing A, B schedule for hybrid, that's probably what that means is some students are coming in on one day and some students are coming in on a different day. Um, yeah, so lots of different modes of instruction this year. Um, I, I've heard some students are already on campus. I know you guys have been walking around a lot. Um, so you've seen them out and about. So students are already moving in. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit about what was different about the move in process this year. Like how did that go? Um, how was that different than previous years?
2: So this year, I'll talk a little bit about the process, and then I'll uh, I'll may kick it over to Annie because I know facilities facilities staff does a lot of work uh, during during move-in. Um, but this year, instead of having a single move-in day like we normally do, and it's usually a big event and everybody comes out and you know helps the students move in, um, we're having to do it over the course of a week. Uh, so move-in began um, on uh, Tuesday of this week on July 28th. Uh, with upper division students moving in on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, On uh, Thursday, uh, Honors College and some of our learning community students uh, moved in. And then um, on Friday, July 31st, and on Saturday, August 1st, um, the first-year students are moving in. And so they go through this process where they actually begin over at GPAC. Um, There are stations set up in GPAC. We only allow, they they sign up for a certain time uh, to move in. Uh, we only allow a certain number of people uh, in the facility at one time. Uh, they're all tested before they go in, uh, you know, just a basic test of their temperature and and uh, a questionnaire asking about, you know, possible symptoms. Um, so they go through the, the check-in process. Um, they're allowed to, you know, move in with, I think, one or two people, um, you know, with them. Uh, move into the uh, the dorm room or the apartment that they're in, um, and uh, then you know then you know the you know anybody that comes with them, their parents or or whoever's helping them, uh, you know will eventually leave, uh, and so the students are actually here a little bit longer ahead of the class time, um, and from what I can tell, uh, I spoke to uh, Paul Posner, our director of housing and residence life, earlier today. And he said that uh, the move-in has gone very smoothly. Um, you know, there are uh, you know, only one or two students per room, uh, and so they're they're doing things to make sure uh, to provide an environment where it's safe and healthy for uh, for the students. Um, Annie on the on the facility said, uh, "I know I know the locksmith Sharon Campbell has already been busy this week uh, mm-hmm. as yeah, students we have uh, lost their keys within hours." Keep- yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, they've been busy doing their usual uh block work. Um, I think everything's going smoothly. I've been I've been really um uh pleasantly uh, not surprised, but pleasantly happy about the fact that I'm seeing a lot of masks on students. And that's that's a wonderful thing. Me too. I've been seeing lots of students. Well, I'm nearly every student I've seen has
0: been wearing a mask. and. Uh, you know, my office here at Hickory Hall is near one of the dorms and it's been very orderly. I mean, people are, are very organized and they have the trolleys in place to help them, you know, move in easily. And so it seems it seems very calm and very organized. So I want to give a shout out to everybody who was involved with that because it, it really is looking good there. Um, so with when the students move in, we, of course, have visitors on campus. So. Oh, when we have visitors on campus, what are they? What, what do they expect? Is there a check-in station or something for them?
2: Um, we have encouraged uh, units to have, you know, some sort of kind of welcoming area uh, in each of the buildings, um, you know, to welcome visitors into the into the building, but also to ensure that everybody is following uh, proper protocol. But there's not really a, a check-in place for for the entire campus.
1: Right. So if someone's just coming on campus to grab a bite to eat from one of our awesome locations that we have, they would just need a mask up before they come in and um, proceed as they normally would. Wouldn't you think it's stay stay away from people as much as they can?
2: Yes, that's right. Um, I know there are some places where they're not allowing visitors. I, I believe, I'm not positive about this, but I believe they're not allowing visitors into the, the dormitories. Um, right. We're really limiting, you know, for instance, in the library, uh, access to only students and, and staff and faculty uh, but you're right you know you can go you can eat outside we have a food truck on campus now uh over near the quad right in front of moore hall and you know you that can go exactly and grab a bite to eat and stay outside yeah awesome
1: okay that sounds really great um we i have- of course, there have been a lot of questions about what is going to happen um, if and when a student tests positive for COVID. So, what are our procedures that we have in place? Um, so, if one of you could talk just a little bit about um, our plans for that, that would be great.
2: So, um, I really, for this part especially, and really for all of the things that we've talked about today, I would encourage folks to go to Bringing Our Braves Back Roadmap to Fall two, uh, 2020, Um, It really gives a lot of good information about, um, you know, what you need to do when you come to campus and what some of the procedures and protocols are now. Um, Our uh, student health services, Dr. Crystal Moore is our brand new director of student health services, and she's done just a tremendous job uh, this summer in preparing for all of this. Um, And so whenever a, uh, uh, you know, a student or, or an employee is suspected of having symptoms or, you know, has tested positive, um, we do have some procedures in place. Um, for students in particular, uh, the Student Health Services is working closely with the Robertson County Health Department um, to, uh, in fact, we have a, a formal memorandum of understanding with them uh, to help with the contact tracing and the testing and, and those sorts of things. And so um, we're working really hard to make sure that um, you know that everybody is safe when they get here and they stay safe. Um, and so there are basically three scenarios uh, that uh, where the student health services would um, would test a student. Uh, they may test individuals with signs or symptoms that are consistent with COVID-19. Uh, they may uh, test asymptomatic individuals who are known or suspected to have been exposed uh, to to the coronavirus in order to control the transmission. And then in special settings, uh, they may test asymptomatic people without knowing or suspecting that they have been exposed to to the coronavirus. Um, If a uh, student uh, does test positive, uh, then the Student Health health Services uh, staff We'll conduct contact tracing on campus, uh, but the Robinson County Health Department or the the county health department from wherever the the student is from or has been, uh, will really do most of the contact tracing off of, uh, off of campus like that.
1: Awesome. And people have um, are required or asked to check their temperature every morning and such. and we have temperature check stations on campus. Is that true? Yes, awesome.
0: And they work really, really well. They're, they're very quick, and you just have to stick your wrist out towards it, and you get a reading very, very quickly. I used one just before our podcast. They're oh, great.
3: nice. I think
2: I think they're great. I walk into my building every morning, and I go, and I check my temperature, and I come into the gym, and I check my temperature. I hope we keep these things around all the time.
0: I like it a lot better than the one I use at home. I, I tell you that—that's for sure. Now, one of the things we want to do is, of course, make sure that we keep our environment safe all semester long. And you know, it's it's not just about moving in and getting our classes ready. So, uh, what types of things are we doing to, uh, throughout the semester to make sure folks are are safe on campus?
3: We have protocols for normal routine cleaning, which is not really normal routine cleaning anymore. And uh, for people who are suspected to have had contact, that don't have symptoms, and then people that are actually positive, so if if you're if we have either staff or student that's positive, we hire an industrial hygienist to do the cleaning. Mm. And that person comes in right away. We get information from the contact tracer, and we clean everywhere we believe we know that person's been. If the person, uh, self-identifies and quarantines because they believe they've been in contact with someone and they're not symptomatic, we will do that in-house. We use the same equipment. Uh, we disinfect in-house. But on a routine basis, what you're going to see is in the mornings, you'll see nice, uh, nice ladies going around and wiping all the contact surfaces. You're going to see them hanging around the bathrooms uh, because there's a lot of contact that happens on that door. And most every door you'll start seeing them wiping down. In the evenings is when the heavy-duty work will happen. Uh, So you'll see normal cleaning along with these atomizing sprayers. What you're going to see is when we are spraying a room or an area, we're going to not allow people in the area. Not because there's a hazard, but, you know, the spray gets really fine and it's really easy for it to uh, get in your eyes and we will make sure you're safe. So... Um we just, uh, you'll, you'll see those kinds of things happening on a routine basis. Now, we've been practicing and working with these sprayers for um, a few months now. And uh, we believe we've got it down to the point where we will get uh, all the classroom, common areas, stairwells, and bathrooms at least once a week, hopefully twice. Again, what what will dictate that is how many of these quarantine cases we have that we have to respond to.
0: And thank you for that, Andy. That's very that's really helpful. I've noticed that our light our light switches have been cleaned a lot more regularly, too. So I've really noticed a big difference in just the yeah. maintenance on camera. I'm
3: hoping, uh, Richard, that people use – the lights are to be left on unless you're doing a presentation. If you leave them on, there's a, a sensor that turns them off. When you walk in, it has to find you. It'll take a few seconds, but it, those lights will come right on.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know that uh, those have been going into lots of the classrooms, so I I think it would be appreciated uh, around town. Um, Now, one of the sad things about, one of the many sad things about our, our current situation with the pandemic is that we weren't able to do a graduation ceremony in the spring for our graduates from last year. So I understand we have a creative alternative coming up in a couple of weeks. So, Scott, could you tell us a little bit about that, please?
2: Yeah, so we looked at a variety of uh, options for some sort of special events that we could help our graduates celebrate uh, their, their graduation. And what we came up with was a drive-through commencement. Um, and so we are going to uh, set up a stage, uh, a nice stage like we normally do at our uh, uh, spring commencement Right at the grand entryway on Prospect Road, uh, in front of Lumbee Hall and next to GPAC, and and, between GPAC and the new uh, business building. And students will uh, arrive at assigned times. We've given blocks of time um, to make sure that not everybody shows up at once. But uh, students will arrive at an assigned time. Um, They'll come to the gymnasium. They won't even have to get out of their vehicle. Uh, But they will uh, pull up, uh, give um, uh, one of our registrar's staff uh, their name. They'll get a packet with their diploma cover, uh, with programs, uh, with their name card, and a few other items from the alumni office. And then they will proceed uh, to a parade of graduates uh, where the the parade of uh, cars will kind of snake through campus. Um, and only you know, each graduate will be allowed one vehicle uh, per, per graduate, uh, but, uh, you know, they can put all their family members in there if they, if they wish. Uh, and they'll come down and they, the graduate will get out of their vehicle um, at, uh, at the assigned place. Uh, they will be able to walk across the stage, hear their name called. Uh, we'll have video set up. It will be live streamed uh, on our YouTube site Uh, They can uh, get a picture socially distanced with uh, the chancellor while on stage and then get another picture uh, uh, just off stage uh, with a nice background of the new entryway. Um, Masks will be required uh, throughout all of this. Uh, They will be able to take their mask off for the second photo uh, in front of the the entryway and then they'll return to their vehicles and, and keep moving. And so while it's not the, you know, the, the same experience that a lot of people were hoping for, we, we do think that it will provide a nice um, uh, end to their time at UNC Pembroke uh, and we'll be able to celebrate uh, this, uh, this graduation with them.
0: And I'm hoping there'll be a lot of faculty there cheering the graduates on. That's one of the most exciting parts for me as an educator is to see the students I've had in my classroom over the last four years walk across that stage. So I hope I'll have them turn out to to root them on.
2: Yeah, and we're hoping that we're hoping too that people will uh, you know park in the commuter parking lots and and get out and take pictures uh at the bridge along the uh you know where the water feature is or in front of old main i believe dr cummings is uh, going to have the chancellor's residence available you know the front lawn there to take pictures there so hopefully students will be able to uh, really get some good memories out of this
1: i'm really excited about it and i think uh, the students are really excited i have a student who's moving going to graduate school and he's moving in on Monday and he's coming back for his drive-through graduation on Saturday. So he's excited.
2: That's great. That's great.
0: Well, thank you guys. Uh, Clearly we've been working really hard to return everybody back to campus safely and also to have a very safe and and exciting graduation. So I want to thank you guys for talking with us today about this important topic. Uh, This is Richard Gay in the College of Arts and Sciences. I'm here with Ashley Allen, Scott Billingsley, and Annie Anguera, And I hope you've enjoyed listening to 30 Brave Minutes.
2: Thanks for having us, Richard.
0: Thank you,
3: Richard. Ashley.
0: Today's podcast was edited by Richard Gay and transcribed by Janet Gentis, theme music created by Riley Morton. This content is copyrighted by the University of North Carolina at Pembroke and the College of Arts and Sciences. It is to be used for educational and non-commercial purposes only and is not to be changed, altered, or used in any commercial endeavor without the express written permission of authorized representatives of UNCP. The views and opinions expressed by the individuals during the course of these discussions are their own and do not necessarily represent the views, opinions, and positions of UNCP or any of its subsidiary programs, schools, departments, or divisions. While reasonable efforts have been made to ensure that information discussed is current and accurate at the time of release, neither UNCP nor any individual presenting material makes any warranty that the information presented in the original recording has remained accurate due to advances in research, technology, or industry standards. Thanks for listening, and Go Braves! Good job, everybody!